Listener Production. Hi, I'm Amy Dale and I'm not a lawyer. But since working at the Law Society, I've met and worked with plenty of them. And I've also met countless people who need help understanding the law and, more importantly, knowing how to find the right lawyer. That's why we've created this podcast, to help make the law accessible for you, for me, for everyone. No jargon, no law speak, I promise. Just me diving into the most common legal problems to help you make the best decisions possible. Welcome to Lawfully Explained. So I've already said that I've never been a lawyer and I have also never been called for jury duty and maybe you have. So maybe you've received a summons and you're wanting to know what happens next? How do you tell your boss that you're going to need 12 weeks off? Are you going to get paid? Is the food that they give you even good? What do you do when your friends beg for gossip about the case? Well, I can't tell you any of the answers to these questions, but I have just the person who can. Criminal law specialist Andrew Teat joins me now. Andrew, what can I expect in jury duty? Well, jury duty is a quite an experience, I think is the word I'll go with. Uh, people have all sorts of experiences on jury duty, um, and I'd love to answer all your questions about it. So I'm going to start by firstly saying, why do we have juries? So juries have a very long history um, in British and Australian uh, justice. The, the general thought process is that the wisdom of 12 ordinary people, uh, rather than the uh, cynicism of a lawyer uh, deciding whether someone's truly guilty or innocent, of the offences they've been charged with. Are there any particular type of cases that use juries? So most serious cases uh, require a jury. So any, almost any trial in the Supreme or District Courts, the two highest criminal courts in New South Wales, uh, is decided by a jury. When you say serious matters, what types of cases are serious matters? So it, it's all relative, I guess, uh, but things like sexual assault, armed robbery, lots of big frauds, uh, drug importations, drug supply, the kind of things that you would think, oh boy, that's a big deal. Um, there are all sorts of very technical laws about this. But as a general guide, if it sounds like a big deal, it's probably a jury trial. Sounds like a big responsibility for someone who just gets a piece of paper in the mail and told to turn up at court on a particular day. It is, and I'm sure that weighs heavily upon many juries. Um, juries really are in many ways, holding the fate of a person in their hands. It is a heavy responsibility. The consequences for a verdict reached by a jury are huge, both for the person who's the accused, but potentially wider people like their families, their friends, and of course then if there's a complainant, uh, the complainant who has made the report to police and had the matter prosecuted. Can anybody be on a jury? Almost anybody. Um, there's a few exceptions. So, for example, lawyers aren't allowed to be on juries. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be able to speak English and generally need to be able to read and understand the evidence. Um, And of course, there are people who are unable to complete jury service for all sorts of valid reasons. Do you know, with an English speaking, is there a test that people have to sit or is it just a sort of relying on on people being able to understand what's going on? Like most things in jury selection, it's the honour system. Um, No one runs you through a test. Um, No one says, well, you're from a foreign country, come answer 20 questions first. Uh, The court really expects you to speak up uh, if you don't speak English or if there's some other thing about your presence on the jury that would cause a problem. What if you've been in trouble with the law in the past yourself? So there's no blanket rule against being on a jury if you have a criminal record or you've been accused of something. Of course, the issue is, can you be impartial? Uh, That's the fundamental thing the court cares about the most. It might be that because of your experience, you think to yourself, you know, everyone should be free. I can't possibly be on a jury. Uh, But as long as you are able to be impartial, uh, there's no prohibition on being on a jury if you have a criminal record. So someone gets their summons and it tells them to turn up at court on a particular day and they walk in the door of the building, what happens next? 
a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> so you'll be with a lot of other people. Uh, the court doesn't just summon 12 people and hope it works out. The court typically brings across large numbers of what they call panels of juries. So you'll be part of a, a larger group called a panel. And along with many other panels, dozens, probably hundreds of you are shuffled into a, an, a holding area, we often call it. I'm not sure that's a technical term, but the holding area. <laughs> Like a and, pen type Yeah, something of thing. like that. Yeah, the cuddle prods, all sorts of things. No, <laughs> obviously, I'm joking. But there's various introductory uh, speeches that you're given. There's a video about jury service, speaking about what's involved. And then the panels are one at a time called to courtrooms uh, to see whether those persons end up on the jury. How does someone get summoned f- to be on a jury? So computer says beep. Um, there's an electoral roll, of course, that um, all adults should be on. If you're not enrolled, you shouldn't roll. The people are chosen from that subject exclusions that apply. I, you probably know this the same. I have some people who dread the thought of being on jury duty and other people who are like, I am dying to be on a jury. How can I get on a jury? Can those people just be on a jury because they really want to be? No. And if you are so desperate to be in a jury, it probably isn't the kind of person you'd want on a jury uh, anyway, I don't think. So don't be too keen. No, no. Probably showing up in a big choose me t-shirt <laughs> would be a, a bad idea if you want to be on a jury. A resume. Uh, exactly. Now, the, the only way to get in a jury is to get a summons and turn up for court, which by the way, you're legally obliged to do. In that situation. So when I received that letter calling me up for jury duty, that's an absolute dead drop. Turn up. What happens if... Well, just quickly, you can, before the jury date, seek to be excused. Mm, yes. So if there's some sort of valid reason, and examples are, for example, a young mother or a mother of a young child, I should say, or someone who has work obligations that just are, make it absolutely impossible for them to be there. If you're going to be overseas, if you're sick, there's a number of exclusions where mm. you can, before the day, make application to the sheriff, the sheriff's office, and you can be excused from attending. But until you're excused, you have to turn up. So say something like a holiday, would I have to demonstrate I've booked non-refundable flights or would it just be like, oh, I was planning to be in Greece around then? Would that be enough? I don't want to give people advice about how to dodge <laughs> jury duty. Yes, uh, but, that's but, true. But certainly if you have a, a good and valid reason, um, it's good to put those reasons before the sheriff. And if you have plane tickets, tell them you have plane tickets. If mm. you have a young child, mention the fact that you have a one-month-old child and can't be, whatever it might be, the more detail and the more substantiation you can give, the better. What happens if you don't turn up? It's a fine. It it is a criminal offence not to turn up. It's not going to bankrupt you, uh, but it is a serious thing not to turn up. People should really turn up with their summons. It's obviously you're performing a very important function in society. Well, exactly more so than a fine, I should have said. Um, Juries are important. Um, Juries aren't just for show. Uh, They have a very serious role. And it goes without saying that if members of the public don't turn up for jury duty, then we wouldn't have members of the public to be put on juries. I would encourage people to please comply with your summons and turn up for court. What if my boss gets angry about the time off that I need for jury duty? An employer can't forbid you uh, from complying with the jury summons. The employer can ask you whether you would please seek an exemption. But if that's not granted, and if you end up on a jury, uh, your boss has no say in the matter, you have to turn up. Mm, sorry, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's actually the law. It is. And th- there are various laws that protect you from uh, retaliation from an employer. So... If that is a serious issue, you should talk to the sheriff once you get to court and things can be done to ensure that doesn't occur. Once you're inside the courtroom and, and your panel has been moved into the courtroom, what is the, the process like? How do, how do those big groups become groups of 12 men and women? Sure. So before COVID, uh, we'd just crowd everyone cheek to jail into the courtroom and it'd be chaos. These days, there's all sorts of COVID safeguards and videos and different courtrooms. But one way or the other, uh, once you're quote, in the court, close quote, whether you're literally in the court or not, 
you're given a short explanation about what the trial's about, the kind of charge. You're told about who the people are, the lawyers, the judge, the defendants, the witnesses. And then the judge would typically ask people who want to ask to be excused. And that might be because you have a family responsibility, but it might also be because you have some sort of personal matter that means that in your judgment, you wouldn't be able to give an impartial verdict. Now, people are able to give that excuse for any reason they consider true and and relevant. And you can tell the judge and the judge can excuse you. And the obvious example is that if there was a sexual assault trial and you were a survivor of sexual assault, you'd be able to say to the judge, either you don't feel you could be impartial or that you'd find it too upsetting or distressing to be involved. Mm. Um, I've always found judges are very reasonable and understanding about these things. And if you've got a bona fide excuse, uh, generally speaking, the judge will excuse you from from being either on this jury or potentially any jury at all. Mm. So there's a process whereby the panel is trimmed down from, say, 50 to 30. Uh, Once that happens, there is something that I've always found incredibly low-tech where all the names or all the numbers, I should say, are literally put into a box. The box is shaken and an associate, the judge's assistant, puts his or her hand in, pulls out a number and reads it out and you're onto the jury. So like yeah. a raffle or something. Yeah, we haven't seen the, the bingo balls just yet, but I'm sure one day someone's going to try that. Get like the old lotto balls or yes, something like that. exactly. Put some flair into yeah. it. The number is 35. Yeah. <laughs> you're up. Get in the box. Exactly. Now, the only thing that happens after that is once the initial 12 are chosen, each side, by each side I mean defence and prosecution, have the chance to challenge jurors. Mm. Now, generally speaking, each side has three challenges and they can, for, for no reason other than that's what they want to do, challenge a juror. And if that occurs, that juror is out and a new juror's name is picked out of the box and they take their place. So in a situation like that, would they actually point at someone and say, that one? Ah, so <laughs> Don't want that one. It's not quite like that, but it almost <laughs> is. Every juror stands up one at a time. And there's this awkward pause and then someone goes, challenge, defence, or or not, as the case may be, and then they're sent packing. Oh, my gosh. It's it's quite a process. That would be so embarrassing. It's like worse than being like called last for school sport, which has (laughs) happened to me many times. So The the judge often says, please don't take it personally. They're just doing their job. I'm sure there's a good reason, but... I'm sure you're lovely. (laughs) Exactly. In a situation where someone does want to get out of it, and particularly for a a reason like what you were saying, that perhaps the subject matter of the trial is something that would be distressing. Do people have to talk to that in the big room of people or do you have an opportunity to write a letter or address someone privately about those concerns? So I've seen this done lots of different ways. Um, Some judges literally stand over on the side of the court and invite the jury members forward to all but whisper in the judge's ear what the issue is. Mm -hmm. Um, Other judges have invited people to write a short note about what it is. Judges are sensitive to the fact that someone who, to use the same example, is a survivor of sexual assault doesn't Mm -hmm. want to broadcast that to everyone in sundry. 60 people, yeah, Yeah, of course. And if there is a genuine reason, the judge doesn't want someone to be too embarrassed to say what it is. So judges are sensitive to that. They are still people at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they understand that people don't necessarily want to broadcast these things. When you say that the potential jurors are told about the trial and, and the witnesses, are they are they told names at this point? Yes, and that's important because for all we know, the juror might be the neighbour of the complainant mm. or the juror might play on the football team with the officer in charge. Yeah. Um, judges so, yeah, you, what happens in that situation oh, if that well, does happen? In that case, the judge would excuse you in a heartbeat. There's appropriately a big focus on ensuring that justice is seen to be done. Once I had an ex-client of mine turn up on the jury panel just by an amazing coincidence, now, how could the community have any confidence that he would have faithfully and honestly, honestly rendered a verdict? I'm sure he would have. He's a good guy. But he quite properly put his hand up, 
And I said, oh, hello. Um, hello. And, <laughs> and the judge excused him and he went back into the pool. It's incredibly important to make sure that the juries have nothing to do with the matter and that so far as is possible, they are impartial and independent. And if they know someone or if they don't feel they can be impartial, it's in everyone's interest that they aren't on that jury. So say if someone has been caught up as a potential juror, they're in the room and the judge talks about the case and, and reads out the names of the people who are involved. And if someone maybe wasn't paying that much attention and didn't hear a name and then suddenly they look up and they see a lawyer that they recognise or they come back the next day and they recognise, are they going to get in trouble for not doing that? No. I mean, the, the, the court understands that these things are very unfamiliar. People are nervous. People don't realise the best advice is if something like that was to happen to tell the judge because the worst case scenario is they don't say anything and then a year later it emerges the defendant's neighbour was on the jury and then all hell breaks loose. A trial I did last year, a few days in, the juror wrote a note saying, I think I recognise the name of one of the police officers that wasn't read earlier. Um, I don't think it's the person. They gave some details about the person they knew. It transpired it was a similar name and there was no harm done. Mm. But again, the worst case scenario is somebody doesn't say anything and then a year later it comes out and then we have a real problem. And I think also the, the courtroom situation, I mean, you would be completely okay in a courtroom. You've spent a lot of time in there as, as a lawyer, we should say. <laughs> Never on the other side. <laughs> so far but, as you know. <laughs> but, you know, you know your way around the mm. courtroom. But for people who are in there for the first time, I can imagine that that would often feel quite intimidating. Absolutely. It, it's people, a, Am I going to get in trouble? It's a scary experience. There's some person in the dock who's accused of some awful offence. There's a judge who's wearing a robes and a wig and he's he or she is on a, a raised platform looking down at you and you'd be forgiven for thinking, Jesus, this, this is pretty terrifying. Judges do the best they can to avoid that and to make sure that juries find them approachable in the sense of being willing to write a note and say, hey, there's this little drama. Um, I, I don't know if it's a big deal or not, but I just want to let you know and judges are very good at dealing with those in a sensitive and sensible fashion. So once the 12 men and women are picked and they go away, and I imagine they get a little time to get they're, to know each other. Yeah, there's a the... bit of an induction and here are your forms and here's this, here's this, and this is where you come in and here's your swipe card and all these kinds of things that, that the courts are very good, I should say. The courts are very good at looking after juries. Are you paid to be on a jury? You're paid some. Mm-hmm. So for the first two weeks you generally receive a smallish amount of about $100 a day, which your employer has to top up. So up to if you are employed, I should say, uh, your employer tops up those funds to your regular paid amount. You could, the, the, your employer can't force you to take leave and you'll leave sick leave uh, for those two weeks. After the first two weeks, your employer is no longer required to top you up, but the pay goes up to a bit over $200 a day. For most people, if they're in full-time employment, not enough to cover what they would usually earn. But that's what's available, unfortunately. If you aren't in employment, then you do receive those funds as well. But of course, you aren't topped up by your employer in the first two weeks. And what about things like food and those sorts of things? Do you do you bring your own snacks? No, the, the, food the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the court does the best they can within what I'm sure is a limited budget to look after jurors. In doing a little bit of reading for this episode, I should actually note that someone has left a Google review for the Downing Centre, five stars, because they were a juror and they thought that the chicken schnitzel sandwiches were amazing. Well, there you go. They said they were the best. Well. The well, best. <laughs> you're begging to be on a jury, aren't you? <laughs> That's not an incentive to get on jury duty. Can I check my phone during the day? No. Oh. No. Um, the, the court, <laughs> um, as a journalist, you'd be, of course, attached to your phone. Um, the, the, the court takes the phones off you. Um, the, the judge can give the sun silly but special dispensation to use them at lunch, but it's literally phones in a box. Don't touch them. Mm. 
What are some of the reasons for that? I'm sure it goes without saying that the court needs you to pay attention. Trials are detailed. Um, The details are important. Distractions are just that, distractions. The court really wants you to be paying attention to what's going on. And plainly, if you're texting um, or playing Wordle, you you couldn't pay attention (laughs) to what's happening. When you come into court, are you a smile at the jury guy? Are you a kind of little oh, nod? Uh, what what sort of interaction are you allowed to have? Because obviously I imagine really much none. nothing. You, you really shouldn't be smiling at the mm. jury. It's bordering on a proper to try to, you know, without saying anything, make friends with the jury. So, mm. Do jurors go home at the end of the day? Yes, yes. So I'm sure everyone's seen various movies and TV shows, especially in the US where jurors are sequestered is the word, and they're put up on a hotel we haven't done that in Australia for a very long time. Uh, so jurors are able to go home and see their kids, um, catch up on work emails, go for a run, whatever they want to do, and then come back the next day. Mm. But they do leave with incredibly strict instructions to not discuss the matter with anyone under any circumstances. What judges usually say to juries is, and this, there's a lot of logic to this, that if you go home and say on a jury and someone says, what's it about? And you tell them, you're immediately going to get their opinion whether it's a high-profile matter that's been on TV or some comparatively minor matter no one's heard of, everyone's going to have an opinion and it's not helpful. So judges tell people uh, to not discuss anything with anyone. I'm on a jury. The big nasty judge said, I can't talk about it, so I'm not going to do it. Ah, so I like yeah. the judge strategy. The of judge is having a bad guy. Absolutely. Yeah, just blame me. Absolutely. And it is important because people will tell you what they think and they will say, well, the person's charged with X, obviously they're guilty or the police did that. Well, obviously this, that, and the other. At the end of the day, the jury needs to make a decision based upon the evidence the jury hears during the trial and the law as explained by the judge and nothing else. Where does watching the news, looking at the paper, listening to the radio, where where does that sit? Uh, I've heard judges recommend that you don't do that. Uh, the, the court can't and doesn't forbid you from watching the news or reading the paper. But if it's a matter where there's any chance of media attention, it's very good advice to avoid that. Um, it is impossible for any journalist to accurately and fairly summarise an entire day of a trial in three columns. Um, the, the best advice, if the matter is going to have any media, is to avoid news broadcasts and newspapers. So in a situation, if my friends do, if I'm on a jury and my friends start really kind of hounding me for information what would be my best approach? Find some new friends. <laughs> Your friends suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, um, it really isn't appropriate or helpful to talk about what's going on. Can I know the names of other jurors? Can I make friends with them? Absolutely. Um, no one else will know their names. Um, we'll know you as juror number one through juror number 12. Um, even the judge doesn't know who jurors are. Um, I found out recently that in Victoria, the, the lawyers find out the jurors' occupations, which is a strange detail. That's strange. But in New South Wales, we know nothing. We can look at you. And we can say, you look like a 40-year-old lady and you wear nice clothes. And that is everything we know about you as a juror. Um, No one would ever tell us your names or where you live or what you do. And if I saw a juror out in public, um, a very quick way to get me into jail is to try and contact them. So lawyers are very sensitive about literally averting eyes and crossing to the other side of the road. No one will find out anything about you. And they'd go to jail if they did. It's, It's an incredibly big deal. You'll often see see always come into court and confess that they got in the same bus as a juror and they got off straight away and they're really sorry and I hope the juror's okay. I mean, and that happens. You're walking down the street and you see the juror there having a coffee or you see the juror on your train and as a lawyer, you you get off that train because the last thing you need is a jury thinking you're following them. So judges often say to juries that, you know, if you see a lawyer in the road, don't say hi. 
They are going to avert <laughs> their eyes and run the other way. Please don't be offended. I've told them to do it. They are not allowed to contact you and I'm sure they won't. Do jurors ever do their own research on the case? I'm sure some do. They absolutely shouldn't. It is a massive, massive no-no. Now, that applies to legal research because you can hop on and Google what is murder, lol, and get an answer. But that's going to be an incredibly unhelpful answer that probably doesn't apply to New South Wales and is probably inaccurate anyway. The judge is very clear that I, as the judge, explain the law and you need to apply the law as I explain it. So legal research, absolutely not because it's probably misleading and definitely unhelpful. As for factual research, also a huge no. And the reason why is the lawyers have are going to present the evidence that a judge has decided is relevant and helpful to the jury in deciding the case. There are all sorts of reasons why this or that piece of evidence might not be led, but as long as it happens in open court, everyone knows the evidence the jury is relying on. There's a very famous example that judges often talk to juries about where it was a case about a sexual assault and it was meant to have happened at some toilets at a park. And there was an important issue about whether the defendant could be identified, whether it was light enough for the complainant to see his face and be able to identify him at a later time. So the question of what was the lighting like is an important question. Two juries had the not-so-bright idea of, after hours, going down to the park to see the lighting themselves and see what they were able to see. I'm sure they thought they were very smart. The problem is, of course, there were new lights that installed since then. The whole reason the judge hadn't taken the jury down to see the lights was the judge knew there'd been new lights. The, the, the lawyers knew there were new lights, and for that reason, I didn't take the jury down. But the jury, as I said, not thinking they were very clever, did their own research and blew up an enormous trial. You absolutely cannot do your own research, uh, and there's very good reasons for that, so please don't. What's the the process of a jury deciding a verdict? Is it after listening to the to the evidence? What, what, what happens? Sure. So the general course of a trial is after jury selection, the prosecution and usually defence get to make some opening remarks and opening submission. Then the evidence is called, each witness is called and cross-examined, and then there's various documentary evidence and other pieces of evidence, videos or photographs or recordings, whatever it might be. And then when the evidence closes, each side gets their chance to present their closing arguments. After that, the judge delivers what's called a summing up, where he or she explains the law as applies to the case and often summarises the evidence. Once that's finished, the jury retire, that's the term we use, to the jury room, and then they deliberate. Um, and they deliberate for the time it takes to reach a verdict. Verdicts, generally speaking, have to be unanimous. There are some rare circumstances where majority verdicts, 11 to 1, can be accepted. But as a starting point, all verdicts need to be unanimous. I imagine it's a long process to be able to take an 11-1 verdict. It is, it is. So if you are in a jury, a judge will tell you when that time comes. As a general proposition, it's a unanimous verdict. That's the only way a verdict can be reached. How long have you had to wait for a jury verdict? My longest ever was eight days, and that was after a six-day trial. Wow. Um, the most unpredictable part of the court process is how long will the jury be? Because I've had trials where I thought we'll see them in a week and they're back in half an hour. And then the other one, I thought we'd see them in half an hour and they were eight days. Wow. It just, it takes what it takes. And I imagine those eight days felt like 80? It felt like 108 days. Um, it, it is, because it, you, you're hearing nothing. You're sitting outside. Of course, all you're doing is speculating and what are they talking about? And this juror looked nervous. To, like You've got no idea what's going on. So you just sit there and you wait. And I can tell you for every ounce of stress I felt, I can assure you my client felt 10 times as much because they're sitting there just waiting exactly the same way. 
Wow. Do yeah. you see the jury at all during that process? It, it varies. Most judges will bring the jury in at the start of the day and say, off you go, and then send them home at the end of the day. Other judges do it in different ways, but you'll usually see the jury briefly, at least once a day. And of course, everyone sits there not able to say a word or know anything, but just frantically tries to work out, do they seem tense? Do they seem angry? <laughs> are they happy? I, are they, they look concerned. Are they, then You just don't know. It's all just wild speculation because there's nothing else to do. Yep. And you're like, <laughs> do they look happy? Do they look angry at something? And then you're like, maybe they've just mm. had a bad bus ride too. Well, the, the, this, the, this juror who I thought was nodding during my closing argument, he looked really happy today. So I re- it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> You're it's, like, he's on, he's on my team. Yeah, he's on team defendant. Come on, team defendant. <laughs> you, you have no idea. What happens when a jury can't agree on a verdict? That's called a hung jury, and then the matter is that the trial is finished. The DPP, the, the prosecutors, can retry a person after a hung jury and usually would. Again, there are circumstances, and we've seen that in the media recently, uh, where defendants have not been retried, especially once they've, they've been two hung juries. But as a general proposition, if the jury can't agree, then we'll, we'll go around again. What if the judge doesn't agree with the verdict? Ah, well, you'll never know. Judges don't say, well, that that's rubbish, obviously. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm Wrong. Sure. <laughs> bzz, try again. <laughs> no, I'm sure in the heart of hearts, judges don't agree with every verdict. I'm sure in the heart of hearts, lawyers don't agree with every verdict. But the whole point of the system is that the juries get to decide. There are circumstances where you can appeal a jury's verdict. The appeal courts are very, very loath to interfere with jury verdicts. And it's only in very, very particular circumstances that can be done. As a general proposition, what the jury says, that that's it. Does the jury have any role in sentencing if they do find someone guilty? Only to the extent they find you guilty of certain offences, not other offences. So, for example, many people are charged with one very serious offence and then less serious alternatives, and all things being equal. If the jury finds you guilty of a lesser alternative, there'll be a lesser sentence. But other than that, the jury doesn't take a vote on whether it should be jail. The jury doesn't get to put their two cents in on whether the person's really remorseful. If there's a finding of guilt on a charge, the power moves back across to the judge and the judge exclusively, with submissions and further evidence potentially, but the judge exclusively gets to decide the sentence the person receives as a result of the verdict. When a jury has reached a verdict, how do they let people know that they've reached that decision? So the, the jury literally writes a note that says, Your Honour, we have a verdict. We've got it. So everyone crowds back into court. The, the, the interesting part is often, this is interesting to lawyers, maybe not to others, but you get told there's a note mm-hmm. and you have no idea what the note is, whether the note is, can we go home aboard or, <laughs> or we've got a verdict or something else or a question about the law. Can I have a coffee? Happen. Exactly. So you just, you crowd back in every single time not knowing what it is and then the note's boring and everyone kind of relaxes. <laughs> we don't have to like, worry about oh. that. Can I have a pen? Exactly, yeah. Can we have a whiteboard? We had that once. We, we will get you a whiteboard, members of the jury. There's no problem. Anyway. Like, you can have your whiteboard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they send a note saying we, we've reached a verdict. Mm-hmm. Everyone crowds back in. The foreman stands up and then the associate, the judge's assistant, uh, reads out the, the, the charges and the foreman on behalf of the jury says guilty or not guilty as appropriate for each of the charges. And then at the end of the reading of the verdicts, the judge says, so says your foreman, so say you all. And ideally, everyone nods or smiles or says, yes, Your Honour. Give some sort of affirmation. Exactly. And then that's it. The, the trial's over. And everyone goes home. Well, Except hope- depending. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're like, hopefully, yes. yes hopefully, that, that everybody goes idea. home. Yes. How does a jury choose the person who then is the one who gets to deliver the verdict? 
So it's really up to the jury. Um, I assume they go up back and someone puts their hand up and that's the person who gets it. That person. Whoever it might be. Um, yeah, you look responsible. <laughs> You're wearing a tie. It should be, uh, I, I don't know. How we all know do. that person in the meeting. Yes. We know the person. Yes, um, but it, it's entirely up to the jury. Um, it is important there is a foreman because that person has to read the verdicts. And because usually, not always, but usually the notes pass through the foreman. The foreman's sort of the conduit to the judge. But it's really up to the jury how they decide to do that. Do you feel more nervous talking to a judge or talking to a jury? Look, I, I relish it. Um, it's the most challenging and interesting part of my job as a lawyer. Uh, so there's really nothing I look forward to more in a sense than, than speaking to a jury and trying to be persuasive. I always think if you aren't, maybe nervous isn't quite the right word, but if you aren't feeling a bit edgy when you start, you aren't taking it seriously enough. Mm. Um, being a court advocate is a serious thing and something I take very seriously, as I should, because it's people's lives on the line. Again, no matter who you are in the process, um, it's incredibly important for you. So I do take it very seriously. On the other side of it, it is an incredibly interesting challenge uh, to try and be persuasive, to try to take 12 non-lawyers who've probably never been in a courtroom before, who are entirely unaccustomed to dealing with these incredibly serious, confronting, distressing, whatever it might be, allegations, and try to persuade them that, on my side of the fence, uh, that the prosecution have improved the case beyond a reasonable doubt. So if you aren't being, if you're a little bit nervous, you aren't taken seriously enough. How many times have people, and I'm not just talking about people in your work, but I suppose more people that you know, friends or family or things like that, people watch a lot of Netflix shows and listen to a lot of true crime mm. podcasts and those sorts those of things. Those podcasts are great though, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> Are there, are there things that happen in, say, the American court system that don't happen here? And do you sometimes see people turn up thinking that it's going to be a very different process because they've seen things on TV? I can't speak for what the jurors think, but certainly court actual courtrooms barely resemble TV courtrooms. Uh, trials take a long time. Um, trials take, at the very shortest, a couple of days. Um, at the longest months, the best part of a year. That is not suitable for a 45-minute Netflix show. Uh, so... Court is much slower than people expect. Court takes much longer than people expect. There are still the same bones there. There are lawyers cross-examining and asking questions of witnesses. There are addresses to juries. There's a judge. There's a, a bailiff or a sheriff, depending on what country you're in. So there are similarities. Uh, but the process is, I think, very different to what people expect. Can jurors be interviewed about the case afterwards? No, 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 <laughs> wow, no, no. you didn't even a- let me finish abso- that question. Absolutely no book not. Deal. No book deals. No, no appearances on Today Tonight. Nothing. <laughs> And not even that, it's, it's a crime to even ask a juror about this stuff. It is incredibly serious. And the reason why we do that is jurors need to be able to deliberate without worrying that juror number six is taking notes and is going to be whinging about me on 2GB tomorrow morning. You need to be able to deliberate knowing that this is secret. Mm. No one can ever know what happened in that jury room, provided no one's breaking the law. Mm. So unless there's literally some law breaking, no one's allowed to know what goes on. It is secret. And that means that if in your heart of hearts you think the person's guilty, you can vote guilty and not worry that there's going to be some sort of media storm and journalists come outside your house uh, the next morning. Uh, So it is very, very secret and it's for that reason so people can vote honestly in accordance with their judgment on the evidence and the law. Are people, after they've been on a jury, allowed to then tell their friends and families what the case was or would that be starting to go into a murky you can you can certainly say i'm on a sexual assault trial or i'm on a drug importation trial you really shouldn't say much more than that Uh, and because as soon as you start saying more you get very close to talking about jury deliberations so provided it happened in open court it's not a secret it's not a secret that 
whoever, John Smith, is on trial for the offence of armed robbery. But as soon as, as a juror, you're speaking about the trial, you get very close to saying, and by the way, we all voted really quickly he was guilty, but the old lady wouldn't agree, which is obviously a huge problem. So my advice to any person being on a jury was, tell people you're on a jury. If you really want to say it was an armed robbery trial, then go for your life. But the best advice is to stop there because you're very close to getting yourself in trouble. What if someone breaks the rules and does talk to a friend or family member about the trial? It's a criminal offence. I mean, you literally can go to jail for it. Um, The courts, again, as I've said before, take it incredibly seriously. You need to be able to deliberate secretly. And if someone's going to break those rules, the court can send you to jail for that. So in the strongest possible terms, please, please follow the rules. The judge tells you they're there for a reason. They're important. Often people can think that lawyers speak another language and and talk in this sort of jargon. That's that's a fair cop. (laughs) (laughs) How then important is it when you're, and how powerful then is the jury in forcing lawyers to have to break down what they're saying and have to ditch the jargon and and talk like a normal person? This is a bugbear of mine. Um, Lawyers love speaking legalese, love writing legalese especially. You should see some of the documents you see, just impenetrably dense. And I spoke earlier about the challenge of speaking to a jury. One of the things I really like is taking, like doing, is taking these really complex issues and this you know, huge mountain of evidence and trying to help it make sense to a jury. Now, I'm doing it from a certain perspective, obviously. I'm trying to show them why the Crown has improved its case because that's my job. But just generally, a jury trial forces lawyers to try to be persuasive to people who aren't lawyers. Um, it's not just the way you speak. That's a big part of it. It's the language you use. But the really interesting thing, for me at least, is the arguments are different. There are things that are compelling to a judge. There are things that a judge would find persuasive that are very different to what a jury might find persuasive. No one's more valid than the other. Judges are a certain kind of human. Juries are ordinary humans. Uh, People uh, handicap things differently. But one of the things about a trial is being able to communicate with non-lawyers about legal stuff and try to show them within the, the boundaries of the law as explained by the judge uh, why the facts break in your favour. So trials do force lawyers to try to use language that's accessible, not, not simpler necessarily, but accessible and understandable to take really complicated legal arguments or often incredibly complicated evidence and have it make sense to a jury. And I think that's something that lawyers generally could be better at and is certainly something that I find challenging and interesting about trial work. Well, I think that you have certainly been very persuasive in helping me get a better understanding of how the jury process works. So don't avoid that letter when it comes in the mail and maybe food won't even be that bad. (laughs) Andrew, thank you so much. Only a pleasure. What you heard in today's episode is not intended as a substitute for legal advice from a qualified professional. I'm not even a lawyer, remember? So if you are looking for legal advice based on your individual circumstances, head to lawfullyexplained.com.au and find the solicitor who is right for you. Lawfully Explained is a listener production in partnership with the Law Society of New South Wales. Hosted by me, Amy Dale. Production by Emily Takato. Audio production by Mitch Calladine. And executive producer is Todd Stevens. Listener.